revelation insight into who you are what your plan for our lives uh, in the earth are and so father we thank you for that we thank you that you're the revealer and the teacher and the instructor and we give you the praise and the honor for that father in jesus name amen well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Philippians. We'll continue there uh, this evening. So we've been going through the book of Philippians. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Philippians is, is really probably out of the epistles. It's the most closely a, a love letter from Paul to these people that he just really was fond of. Uh, and, and we begin to find out part of the reason why um, we got down to um, uh, verse 4. But let's start in verse 3 here where he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine for, for, for you all, for you all making a request with joy. So he says, always and every prayer of mine for you, make, uh, for you all making requests with joy. Uh, and then the reason why that he makes a request with joy is, is for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So from the very first time that Paul um, was... Uh, uh, introduced to the Philippians, remember he he had the vision for the, of the man in Macedonia said, "Please come and help us." And he went over there, um, and uh, of course, first time he went, he got thrown in jail, right? And so, him and him and Silas, uh, and so. Uh, but but he said that that uh, for the fellowship from the first day until now, so. Um, and, and we're not going to go through it, but you know, Paul lists several uh, of the tribulations that he went through both in second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and chapter 11 all you know they had not in the deep and been stoned and forsaken and all these things that uh, he went through uh, and through all of those things the Philippians stayed with him in fellowship and you know that's that means a lot especially to a minister like Paul it means a lot that when times were bad they were with him when times were good they were with him uh, and um, uh, you know like uh, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm what you consider a fair weather fan, you know, for like football team, right? Uh, our football team here in Tennessee, um, or the, the professional football team, you know, as long as you're doing good, man, I'm a great fan. If, they're, if they start doing bad for, for, you know, season after season, I'll probably just watch, you know, table tennis or something instead, you know. I mean, I'm a terrible fan, you know, when it comes to uh, football, uh, but I'm not that way with, with uh personal relationships right I'll stick with people to the very end you know as long as it takes uh, and uh, uh, you know that, that's not always the case though right uh, so Paul is uh, reminding them how much it means to him that they've been with him through thick and thin and through all of these things and and have continued in fact you know a lot of the things that he talks about in the book of Philippians is how they supported him in many ways including financially and even unto the very end even sometimes when they were unable to do that um, and so uh, he just has a real fondness for the, uh, the Philippians there. And where he says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, that word fellowship there is, uh, uh, it's a fairly common Greek word, quantania. Uh, it means uh, partic joint participation and partnership in a community. Uh, and so there was a real close-knit relationship that Paul had with them. And so that's why he was really fond of them because <clears throat> because they stayed with them and you know that, that that's uh, um, uh, it's an area that we don't talk a lot about really in in the gospels you know because sometimes um, you can get kind of out of balance in those areas uh, you know we tend to focus mostly on faith around here uh, in that and I think it's fine because faith is kind of uh, an important topic right 
but there's an attitude of fellowship uh, and loyalty that is valuable to the church that, you know, we need to stick with each other through thick and thin. And, you know, a lot of times if somebody makes a mistake, man, you get cut off, you know, and, and um, you know, uh, or someone uh, falls upon hard times, you know, they'll cut them off, right? And um, uh, I think there's some value in being a loyal person uh, in, in relationships with this fellowship uh, through thick and thin, like Paul said, from the first until now, uh, that, uh, uh, you know, especially in the, in the church, and, and this is not a complaint or anything in, in my heart, but, you know, my observation is that Christians are really fickle, that, you know, they'll go to a church and, you know, if everything's fine, you know, they're happy. If, if anything happens, they're gone, right? They're out the door, you know, and of course, uh, around here, we've, uh, we've always done well financially and never had struggled financially and, and, and never will struggle financially. But sometimes, you know, churches do struggle financially for various reasons. And, you know, it's not important to go through those reasons right now. But uh, sometimes people will leave a church if, you know, they start struggling financially. And I understand, you know, if a church starts begging and pleading and, and putting pressure on people about, you know, about money and stuff, you know, that can be out of order. But, um, but you know, the, uh, churches, they'll expand, they'll contract, they'll expand, they'll contract. You know, people come for a season, they'll leave for a season. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, Christians can be very fickle in those things. Uh, and, uh, you know, that Paul was talking about his relationship with the Philippians, with his ministry. And that's not unlike the relationship that we have as a church, as any church, right, with the people in a church. Uh, and, you know, to me, it goes back to where are you called, right? Where are you called to go to? Uh, what church are you called to go to? And if you're called to go to a particular church, uh, because I believe you should be called to go to a church, you shouldn't go uh, based upon a resume, right? Well, this, this right here, you know, I want this kind of fellowship, that kind of fellowship. Uh, and, and I understand I'm a little odd in that because for me, the number one thing for any church that I ever attended was what word went forth, forth from the pulpit, right? What did they teach? Everything else was great. Everything else was secondary, though. You know, praise and worship could be great, but that wasn't really my priority, right? Uh, the, the activities could be great. That was really, really wasn't my priority, uh, uh, and part of it was because I knew so little about the word. I knew so I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up in Sunday school. I didn't have a foundation of those things. And so it was really important to me to be taught because I didn't know anything. And, you know, and and it's only been a few years since now, since about 40 years since I was born again. I'm not sure I know anything yet, but, you know, uh, uh, I'm working on it. And and um, uh, and, you know, for me. Uh, even the even the ministers that I hang around with here, you know, ministers that the Lord has has had me to be part of their ministry. Uh, it's really based upon uh, the word that the Lord gives to them. Right. What What is their ministry? What is their ministry as far as what revelation has the Lord given them that they can add to my life? Uh, and so I don't want their cars. I don't want their stuff. I don't want their money. I don't want their position or power or title. I want the, the knowledge that they know of the Lord that I don't know. Uh, and, uh, and I've always been that way. And, and, uh, and I think part of it is, is uh, that loyalty that, that I have for that is, you know, the same thing that Philippians had here is what that Paul had added so much to their, to their lives. You know, they were willing to stay with him through thick and thin. And so, you know, it, it would be good for the church, for any Christian you know, to find a church, you know, and, and to stay with it through thick and thin, right? And I understand you, you, always, you always have to keep in the back of your heart what's the will of God, right? Because if the church starts getting 
crossways with the word and crossways with the spirit of God, you know, the Lord may tell you to leave. Uh, and I, so I'm not opposed to, to the Lord telling people to leave. Uh, I think it's fairly rare that the Lord tells people to leave when they leave, right? I think it's more often, in fact, they leave because, uh, um, in fact, you know, I've talked to one person one time, uh, hey, you know, you still going to such such church now? Why not? Well, they bought new carpet, you know, uh, and I don't think they should have spent the money on that. Okay, and one person said, uh, they're not going to church anymore. Well, how come? Uh, well, they bought a piano, right? I don't think they should have bought a piano. Well, did they ask your opinion? No. Well, uh, okay. Uh, and so they didn't go because they, uh, they bought a piano. One person said, uh, I don't go to church there anymore because uh, they pay the pastor too much. Uh, so they were going to church there, but then the, so somehow they found out the pastor got paid. And of course, it should be fairly public information. You know, we make it public around here how much I get paid. Um, and so um, they got mad uh, because how much the pastor got paid. Well, see, uh, they're never going to get this statement that, uh, you know, I have joy for you. Uh, what he said there about, uh, um, in ver- I think we're in verse 5 there, he said, um, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, right? So, uh, and again, you know, there's always a balance in that, right? The balance is what's the will of God. And if you find that balance, you know, I believe that, uh, that the Lord has a, a home church for every Christian with a home pastor that will, that will, uh, be a shepherd to their lives. You know, the first uh, Corinthians or Hebrews chapter 13 says that we are watchmen over your souls. So we don't stand between you and the Lord Jesus. We don't stand between you and the in prayer of the Lord Jesus, but we are watchmen over your souls, right? We help you and teach you the things that will help you get your mind renewed to the word of God. That's really one of the primary purposes of the ministry. Uh, and so, uh, and you know, for me, uh, there has been some fondness in my heart because uh, many of you all have been with us from the very beginning, right? And, uh, uh, and you know, that really means a lot to, to ministers, amen? It means a lot that, you know, no matter how many times I mess up, and I'm sure I've messed up plenty of times, right? Uh, you, you stick around, and, and, and I think part of it's got to do with, with the maturity of the people that are here. Um, and um, uh, because it's not that we overlook faults and failures or we act like they don't happen. It's just... You know, in the great scheme of things, uh, uh, how important are those areas, you know, compared to the, the, the scope of the ministry here, right? How important is if I get a verse number wrong or I quote a number out of a, out of a verse wrong, you know? Um, uh, and um, I know my heart is to never do harm and to never inflict pain and agony on anybody. I got no problem with confronting people. I got no problem with correcting people. But, you know, sometimes uh, ministers can get a thorn in their craw just like anybody else can and start picking on people, you know. Uh, and um, uh, and so, you know, I thank the Lord that, you know, I do my best to uh, um, speak from my heart. Uh, but, you know, sometimes even speaking from your heart, you know, that it causes people's toes to get stepped on, right? Uh, but uh, and I, I'm thankful to the Lord that that uh, any times that it's happened, and, and I can probably list many times that it's happened, that I can, with an honest heart, say, well, I didn't know that was going on. Uh, in fact, just even just recently, you know, some, I found out some things that were going on, you know, in the church kind of behind the scenes, right? Uh, and I preached exactly along those lines, but I didn't know they were going on, right? And uh, has that ever happened to anybody else in the church, you know? And so, uh, and, and so... Uh, but see, that's a good thing, right? I think that's a good thing because 
Uh, of course, you have to believe me when I say that I don't do it. Because for me, if I knew that something was going on uh, and I got close to scriptures that would be correcting that, it would be hard for me to go down that path. Unless the Lord just, now, if he just said, you've got to do it, you know, well, then fine, I've got to do it. Uh, but most of the time, I'll avoid that because I don't want to be seen as, as picking on people from the pulpit because we should never use the word of God to beat people up. But I got no problem with the Holy Ghost correcting us and he should correct us, right? He should, I mean, it's, it's not the only part of our lives. Hopefully it's not all we do is get corrected by the Lord. Uh, you know, there is joy and peace to be had, right? And the Lord sometimes, you know, uh, well done thou good and faithful servant is a good scripture too, right? Um, and uh, and so, uh, so it does, it, it's, uh, you know, for all ministers, I think it's, I think it's uh, a fond remembrance to know that people are with you through thick and thin. And, uh, you know, for my pastor, when I was with him, uh, you know, one thing for me personally, I never stood up and say, Pastor, I'll be with you forever. I just I never could say that because I saw so many people stand up and testify. Pastor Vaughn, God's called me here to your ministry. I'll be here with you forever. And it's almost like as soon as they say that the, the devil would go and try as hard as he could to get them crossways with the ministry. And almost without exception, everyone who ever said that left the ministry they weren't there to the end they were there not long you know uh not, not long uh, after they said that you know they were gone and um and and i got no I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that uh but i saw so many people not be not keep their word that to me it was more important just to show him that that the lord called me there and that regardless of how he treated me and he didn't always treat me well you know regardless of unless until the lord told, told me to go you're stuck with me, you know, and same thing with, with, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Dufresne, I was with him till, till he was gone, you know, he was gone after that, and then the Lord had me hook up with uh, Brother Randy, and, and um, you know, it's unfortunate for Brother Randy, maybe, but he stuck with me to the end, you know, until one of us goes home to be with the Lord, you know, and uh, of course, now if the Lord says, go your ways, you know, that's fine, but um, uh, I can't, you know, I don't see that happening, you know, for, unless Brother Randy, you know, the only place I'd see is if Brother Randy gets way off base, yeah, and uh, long before that, you know, uh, Miss Patty probably uh, do some uh, uh, rolling pin ministry on him, you know, and straighten him up. Right. So um, so I think I think we'll be all right. But it does mean something, you know, and, and, and you know, we shouldn't have to always uh, uh, kind of almost brag about uh, pastor. I'll be with you to the end. Just show that you're going to be there to the end. Right. Uh, uh, and so it does. It meant something. It, I mean, you can hear how Paul says that uh, for uh, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, um, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that word uh, uh, fellowship there uh, is a joint participation and partnership in a community. So there was a, you know, there was a close-knit uh, relationship there. Um, and, you know, there is some added, some, some, some commentary in the ministry that says, if you're in the ministry, your fellowship should be with other ministers and not with the people in your church. But that's not what Paul says here. He's thanking the church for the fellowship that it, that it has with with him, right? Uh, and and I and I really believe that it's uh, it's not something that you're going to die and go to hell for, right? But I, I believe it's not exact uh, good doctrine to say to state that as a minister you should not have fellowship with the people in your church, uh, because well, I mean we got a verse right here that Paul was talking to the church and thanking them for the fellowship that he had. From the very beginning, right? And so, uh, so this is not a ministerial relationship. This is a, 
an apostle to the church members relationship, right? Uh, and so uh, you know, I, I just don't see uh, any, any constraint in that from the word of God because first of all, we got scripture right here. And then I, when I see Jesus and he was friends with the apostles, you know, he was friends with all the people that worked for him. And, um, uh, and, and I understand part of the hesitancy sometimes is that um, when you become friends with people in the ministry, uh, say it, maybe they're in your church or like this case here, they were a church that Paul had started. Uh, and um, uh, sometimes familiarity can breed contempt. You know what I mean by that? So you get close to somebody and you find out, wow, uh, they don't comb their hair every single day. Right. And, and uh, what kind of a person are they? You know, uh, and you lose you lose some level of respect for them because you find out that, oh, they don't have their sock drawer organized alphabetically. Right. Uh, and so, wow, I thought they were more, I thought they were better than that. Uh, and so sometimes, you know, you see the reality of these people and, and, you, and, you, uh, and you lose some respect for them. But, you know, the, the, the grace of God is there for you to separate the person from the office. Uh, and if you'll, if you'll grow in the grace of God, you can see someone's faults and failures in the natural world. Uh, and, you know... Uh, and I'm not talking about robbing banks and, you know, uh, committing adultery. I'm just talking about, you know, maybe maybe uh, you find out that uh, they don't take their garbage out every morning or whatever it is. Right. Uh, I know I told you one time I was talking to somebody and they said I, I was talking to a friend of ours and, and they said that they only clean their bathroom once a week. And they said, can you believe that? I clean mine every day. Can you believe somebody doesn't clean their bathroom every day? And I'm thinking don't ever come to my house because I don't clean my bathroom every day. You all clean your bathroom every single day, you know, scrub it down every single day. Uh, well, then we can't have fellowship, right? Uh, and so, uh, but you know what I'm saying? So you find out things like that and, and, and you go, oh, well, wow, I thought they were better than that, you know, and, and you lose some respect for that. But, you know, you know I, was, I was very close with my pastor for many years and I saw good points and bad points, you know. Uh, in fact, I had a conversation with him not long before he passed, you know, uh, that uh, I was at his house many times uh, and his children would disrespect uh, his wife, right? His, his children would disrespect their mom uh, and he would do nothing about it. Uh, and, um, and of course, I didn't, none of my business, right? I mean, it's not my family, not my household. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, uh, it ain't going to happen in my household, right? Where they, where they disrespect uh, my, my wife, right? When my kids disrespect uh, my wife and their mom, um, if I'm there with them, you know, sometimes it happens and I'm not there, you know, but, uh, uh, but if I'm with them, you know, and I have corrected them on occasion, you know, hey, you'll not talk to your mom that way. Uh, and, you know, because we all get, you know, bad days or whatever. But, um, but I was able to separate, you know, his, you know, I call it a failing. It's not really a, that strong of a failing. You know, he could have done better there, but, but his position as a pastor, to me, they were two separate things. My relationship with him at a, at a personal level was one thing. We'd go fishing together. We'd ride motorcycles together. We'd go, you know, I helped him build things in his yard and helped him with his yard work and his housework and different things over the years. Um, but when he got to church, he was the pastor. And even, you know, it got to where I couldn't really call him, you know, and I, I never did call him Kenny. Uh, even now, I just, you know, he's been gone now for 14 years. I still can't call him Kenny. Uh, that's what he went by. It was Kenny. His Kenneth Vaughn was his name, but... Um, uh, and so, uh, 
you know, if, if you can grow in that grace where you keep those two things separate, you know, then it'll be okay, right? Then, then you can get close to somebody and yeah, you see that you find out that, you know, maybe they uh, chew with their mouth open, right? Or maybe they, you know, slurp their super, you know what I'm saying? Just, you know, people are not perfect. And, um, uh, and a lot of times people will, will lose some respect for people when they get too close to them. So, uh, so I think that I, personally, I see nothing wrong with fellowshipping with people, with ministers fellowshipping with church members. Paul said right here, he's thankful for their fellowship from the first day until now. So they've had a close fellowship with them, the church with the apostle here. Uh, and, um, uh, and so I just, I just, I, I can't see anything wrong with that. Paul, Jesus was very close to his disciples, right? Uh, and of course, there was no equal to Jesus. So who, who else would he fellowship, right? It's not like there was a second son of God anywhere running around that he could fellowship with. Of course, he did say his fellowship was with the father, right? And with the Holy Spirit. So uh, there is that, and those they were his equal in that regards. But as far as people on the earth, you know, there was none. Uh, but uh, uh, here, I, th- I think it's a good, a good statement there. And and I would encourage you know ministers to not be afraid to have relationships with people that are in the church that are that are under you, so to speak, in the Lord. Um, Paul said it was fine here, uh, and you know, the 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 one person I heard say that said, well, the problem with doing that is uh, they will get mad and leave you. And then you will get your feelings hurt because they've left. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, I, I don't do things based on fear of what might happen. So I'm not going to not have a relationship because I'm afraid that those people will leave me. Uh, that, that's not to me. That's a kind of a terrible way to live. Right. That, that's like never being around somebody because you're afraid they're going to say something that hurt your feelings. Right. Well, that's one way to never get your feelings hurt. Just don't be around people. Well, that's fine, except that's a terrible way to live, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I'm just not going to live in such a way that I'm afraid people are going to I'm going to develop relationships. And if people leave me, you know, I've had, I've had dear friends walk away from me, never talk to me again. I've had ministers uh, walk away from me, not, not talk to me again. Uh, and uh, I know uh, there was one minister years ago, we would, I didn't actually have a relationship, but uh, but I, the first time I met him, uh, we were in Nashville at a, at a meeting. I think it was a Jesse DePlantis meeting, in fact. Uh, and so we just got the chit-chat. And, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from that area. I'm, I'm from there, near that area, too. Um, and uh, he said, hey, we, we've got uh, Dr. Dufresne coming um, here in about a month or six weeks or so. And, um, you know, if you're, you're, since you're close by, I'd like to invite you and your church to come out there and just fellowship with us in the meetings. Oh, man, we'd love it. You know, I love Dr. Dufresne. Oh, that's great. Uh, and um, now when is that you know it's like at the end of September okay yeah yeah no problem uh, and he goes now 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 tell me tell me where you're from again so, so, where, are, you, are, you, are you pastor of this church no no uh, well you know were you a pastor were you a member of Pastor Vaughn's church yeah yeah he goes oh I know who you are he goes yeah I'm busy like the rest of my life sorry we won't, we won't be able to come and fellowship with you <laughs> uh, and so I mean, you know, he missed a great service. I mean, it was an amazing service, you know, and uh, and he didn't even know me. Right. And never even met the first time we ever met. But because he had heard things, he can't have fellowship with me. Uh, you know, if if I did that or you did that, we can't have fellowship with nobody because you ever hear dirt on somebody. You hear dirt on everybody. Right. Uh, and I don't believe it. Uh, you know, as far as unless I see it, you know, or there's video evidence or, or a confession or something, I just take with a grain of salt because. Um, uh, you know, how many people get crossways with people all the time, right? 
Uh, and some of the worst things have been said about our church, you know. Uh, I know one person said that our church, one, one minister said our church was an unclean church. Uh, and so, uh, you know, now I'm thinking, first of all, if you're listening to someone say that church over there is an unclean church, I'd be really concerned about that person who said that. Because number one, how do they find that out? Right? I mean, who told them that? Are they the judge of a church? Are they, do they stand as the head of the church to judge churches to be clean or unclean? And what's the, what's, the, what's the measure of unclean? See, they said I was unclean because I, I tried to steal sheep from their church. But I have clean hands. I've never tried to steal no sheep from nobody. In fact, what do you, what, you know what I say around here, right? Do you ever talk to somebody and they go to another church? What do you do? Encourage them to stay at their church, right? You never invite them here. Well, our church is better than their church. I mean, what in the world, you know? I mean, we all want to get in big trouble really quick. We'll say, say foolish things like that, right? Uh, and so, uh, so I'm, a, I'm an unclean church according to some people's measurements, right? Uh, well, see, they've broken fellowship with me. I, they don't even know me, right? Uh, so that's their loss because, you know, I'm a great guy. You ought to have fellowship with me. And, and um, uh, I think I could add to your life, right? So... Um, so uh, there, there's from a biblical, and this is the Bible, right? So we got to go, go with the Bible, don't we? Doesn't matter what we've experienced in life. Well, my experience is you can't have fellowship with people in the church. Yeah, but what's it say right there? What if you had a thousand people stabbing you in the back? Go, there's one thousand and one person right there, right? Go to the next one. Uh, you know, I told you my pastor, his, his way of dealing with these things uh, was he said, Everybody that walks in that door back there is going to stab me in the back someday. So he would have no fellowship, you know. Well, I mean, I decided when I went to church there, he's going to be my friend because he's my pastor. Uh, then the Lord told me to go there, so I've got to get to know this fellow, right? And so I kind of, I didn't really force myself on him, but I, you know, uh, uh, I would just kind of uh, linger, right? Uh, there was a lot of loitering going on, you know, in my life around his, him and his ministry because I had, to, I had to get to know this fellow. The Lord called me to be part of his ministry, so I had to get to know him. Uh, and so uh, it, it, it was, it, for him, it was very uncomfortable because he was very nervous around educated people. And I'm kind of poster boy for Mr. Education. Uh, and, and so, um, uh, but, but generally speaking, the way, he would, uh, uh, the way he would operate is if anybody ever got close to him, he would be suspicious for, about them. In fact, uh, I can't tell you how many people left the church because after a while, uh, every single person that had been in that church, and I don't, I don't think there's an exception, every single person at church, he got suspicious they were trying to take over his church or that they were trying to stab him in the back, uh, almost, uh, probably without exception. Uh, I, I imagine there's uh, not anybody he didn't think that about. You know, there's people that, that were just kind of, you know, people just come, come to church and punch the card and go home, right? You know, but, uh, but I'm talking about anybody that had any kind of relationship with him, uh, he would end up being suspicious about them. Uh, for no good reason. I mean, a lot of people loved him and desired to help him and be part of his ministry. So, um, so uh, I'm just not going to live that way. You know, the Bible doesn't tell me to live that way. The Bible tells me to believe the best of everybody. So I'm going to believe the best of everybody. Everybody walks in that door is going to love me like I'm the very best pastor in the whole world. That's the way I believe, right? And if you, until you tell me otherwise, and I've had a few tell me otherwise, uh, but until you tell me otherwise, that's what I'm going to believe about you, right? And, and I sleep well at night like that. And if you walk out the door, you know, and stop being my friend, I'll wait for the door to open again. You know, there'll be someone else walk in and be my friend, right? So, I, you know, I got no problem with that, you know, um, because I've got Bible for it and, and I'm going to live like the Bible is so. 
Uh, regardless of what, you know, a thousand shall fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it's not going to come near me, right? So if a thousand people leave me and 10,000 people leave me, maybe the next one won't, right? And so, uh, and everybody's not left me, right? So it's not like, oh, I've never, you know, I've count uh, many of y'all as dear friends in my life. Uh, and so, uh, so that's just, you know, and Paul was just saying that, uh, you know, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, um, so it's really meant, been, uh, meant a lot to him uh, for this fellowship. And he says in verse 6, being confident that this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And so this is one of those good uh, faith promises that we can build our faith upon, right? So biblical promises that we can build our faith upon. And uh, one translation says that God began to do a good work in you. And I am sure that he will keep on doing it until, until he has finished it. He will keep on until the day Jesus Christ comes again. So uh, the Lord began a good work in you the day you got born again, right? He began a good work in you. So what is that? Well, he's, you know, he, he, uh, in the spirit realm, you're created in the image and likeness of God the day you get born again, right? So in the realm of the spirit, you look just like the Lord Jesus. You're made of the same stuff the Lord Jesus is made out of. The Bible says he's the father of all spirits. But, you know, from a from a mental standpoint, a solar standpoint, you look much different than the Lord Jesus when you get born again, don't you? From a physical standpoint, you may have aches and pains and ailments, you know, a very sickly person the day you get born again. Uh, from your from your uh, natural life, you know, you may be poor and decrepit and, and backwards and awkward and all kinds of things. Uh, you know, I, I remember when I got born again, um, you know, I was 15 years old and and I grew up, I was really kind of a backwards uh, kind of kid. You know, I was, I was intelligent, but I didn't know how to, how to talk to people. You know, I was uncomfortable around people. And even now, I mean, you know, I'm still, I'm fine if I never talk to another person again. It's just not because I don't like people, but because it's just, that's just the way I'm turned, right? It's not, some people, you know, like if my wife doesn't talk to somebody for like an hour, she starts talking to the cat, right? And if the cat's not around, she just talk to the plant, you know? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I could go for eight hours straight and not talk to anybody and be fine with it, right? Uh, but, the, you know, so that's, there is some, some of that's your personality, I know. Uh, but just about dealing with things and, and learn, knowing how to just uh, work through things of life, I didn't, I didn't know how to, I, didn't, I wasn't trained at all as a child. I was, uh, I was mostly just put up with as a child, right? I'm the youngest of 11, so, you know, uh, I, I never had any conversation with my dad. Never had any real relationship with my, my mom, you know, as far as uh, just, uh, you know, I count my kids to be close to me, right? We have great conversations and, and different things, uh, and I count them as my friends. You know, they're grown adults now, and uh, I didn't have that relationship growing up. Uh, but I remember as I, as I started reading the Word of God, how I, I began to see the kind of person I could become. I wasn't that person yet, but I could see that person that I could become, that uh, you know, I, I talked to the Lord a lot about uh, about uh, character. You know, I had no character growing up. You know, we'd shoplift and lie and cheat and steal. And uh, and it was just kind of a normal part of our life, you know. I mean, some people are like, oh, I can't believe you did that. You know, well, you know, I mean, this is what we did, right? You, you just stole things. And, you know, if, if you got away with it, then it's, the, it's their fault, right? Because they should have had better security or whatever. So, um, but just weird thinking like that, right? And some people grow up and they're still that way, right, as adults. You know, they... I mean, we had all kinds of stuff stolen from the building next door, right? You know, who steals from a church? It's like, it's like kicking a baby seal. I mean, who does that, right? 
you know, the Lord prospers and we were able to restore everything without any trouble. I mean, you know, nothing to me, but, uh, but um, you know, they got to live with that the rest of their lives, right? Looking over their shoulder, you know, I'm not sure there's an angel not going to whack them over the head or anything, but, you know, uh, someday the Lord Jesus is going to ask them about that. All the deeds done in your body, both what? Good and bad, right? <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, there may be an uncomfortable situation. The Lord Jesus, uh, who's next? Oh, you're up next. Hang on, uh, Pastor Chip. Uh, what was stolen from your building right uh, next door? Uh, well, you know, there was an electric drill, and electric, you know. Uh, uh, did you take that? Well, yeah, Lord, I needed it more than he did. <laughs> you think that's going to go over very well? You know, it's not, you know. And so I don't, I don't know how that's going to go down, but, you know, uh, it might go down like that, right? And so, um, um, uh, and, you know, the thing is, you know, he'll be like, Pastor Chip, do you know who did it? Oh, I, knew how, I knew who did it, you know, the Lord, the whole time, Lord, you know. Uh, and so uh, I've asked the Lord to forgive him. So it may not even come up because if I ask the Lord to forgive him, then, then you know, he's obligated to forgive him. So, um, but he may say, uh, have you been forgiven about anything in particular? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, uh, but I, I began to see, you know, the person that I'd be, I could become uh, and, and a person of character. And, um, you know, some of the, some of the, the most important um, stories to me are stories of the characters of, of the people that I've followed over the years. You know, one of them, uh, and I, I know I've told the story many times, but uh, one, one of the ones that has left a lasting impression to me was, was Brother Hagen, and, and, and he didn't tell the story for years, right? Uh, and and there, there, was two, there were two stories that, that I think mean a lot to me just from, uh, you know, he says, who began a good work in you and will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Uh, for me, this is the kinds of things that I, that I desire for the Lord to continue to work in me. But he was telling one story that uh, when he was when when his uh, mother was pregnant with him, his dad had left them. Uh, his mother, you kind of had the attitude of, well, I made my bed hard. I'm going to lie in it, you know. And so she didn't ask for any help. And uh, and so, of course, the baby was was malnourished, you know, e- even uh, as uh, in a prenatal situation. Right. Uh, nowadays, you know, as soon as you get pregnant, they get, they, you know, here's all the prenatal care that you got to do. Make sure you eat this and do that, exercise here, whatever, whatever. There wasn't none of that stuff back in the day, right? Back in the, you know, 30, 20s and 30s, you know. I think Brother Hagen was born in the, in the teens, right? Something like that, 1917, something like that. Uh, and um, uh, and so, um, but as she progressed in a pregnancy, you know, she finally realized, look, I'm going to have to do something. So for the baby's sake only, I'm going to go get help from my mom. And so she starts walking to her mom's house, right? And along the way, she starts hearing uh, the sound of wind rushing. You ever heard the story? Uh, sound of wind rushing. Uh, and, and there's no trees there or no wind. And, and, um, uh, but then uh, I believe she saw the Lord Jesus or saw something like the Lord Jesus appeared to her and said, Fear not, the baby shall be born. And, and thou shalt call his name. And Brother Hagen would tell the story. And he'd always leave a blank. And in all the books, you can go read his books, right? Where they're telling these stories. And, and she said, the Lord told her, you shall call his name blank. And so like, what was the name? What, what was she supposed to call him? We don't know. You know, 50 years, you know, he, he was in the ministry, 50, 50 years. So well, actually in the ministry, probably before he made this public was uh, nearly 70 years. I think some people privately he told, but publicly, uh, I think he was in the ministry nearly 70 years. In fact, I think it was the day or the year that he passed that he finally told the whole story. Uh, and so, uh, well, but uh, you fast forward from that point, of course, from 
uh, when he was 50 years old or so, or around, uh, uh, well, I think it was in the, in the 50s. So however old he was, I think he's about 35 then or so. So, uh, so he's mid-30s now, and the Lord Jesus appears to him. So the Lord Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin seven or eight different times. And one of the times the Lord Jesus appeared to him, he, the Lord Jesus told him the story of his birth. His mother never told him the story of what happened and how it happened and why it happened, all of those things, never told him. And so the Lord Jesus told him all these things. Here's what happened. I appeared to your mother, you know, told her these things. Fear not, uh, for the baby shall be born, and thou shalt call his name. And, and the Lord told him uh, to, what to call him. And so he called up his mom and said, hey, tell me what happened at, at my birth. Uh, and so uh, she told him, and, and uh, uh, she got to the point where the Lord Jesus told her that. And, and uh, he said, well, he appeared to me and told me that. She said, what did he tell you that I was supposed to call you? He said, the Lord said that you were supposed to call me John. She said, that's right. Uh, because the Lord, when the Lord appeared to Brother Hagen, he said, I told your mother to call you John, for just like John the Baptist was a forerunner of my first coming, uh, you and the ministry and the things that you're going to be teaching, which is, which is basically what he was saying, uh, shall be a forerunner of my second coming. So, of course, Brother Hagen's gone now, but his, the legacy of what he's taught, most people don't appreciate it. Most people won't, won't even acknowledge that much of what they know about faith in the name of Jesus, the authority of the believer, the blood of Jesus, a lot of the fundamental faith doctrines that we are very solid in came because of the revelation of Brother Hagen. Uh, and, and some people act like, you know, I learned it all on my own. You didn't learn it on your own. You learned it from everybody else that came before you, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but he, see, he didn't tell that story. Now, see, what would you have done? If you got a revelation, if the Lord Jesus appeared to you and said, uh, you were supposed to be called John, you know, say, thank you, Jesus. You get off the phone with Jesus. You start writing a book. My name is John by Brother Hagen, you know, by Kennedy Hagen. I mean, wouldn't you write a book like that? I mean, just think of the stories you could tell, right? Just how many books you could sell by telling a story of the Lord Jesus appeared to you. And you confirmed it with your mom that she had a supernatural experience before you was born about these things. And now, you know, you can sell all kinds of books and tapes and Yet he didn't tell nobody, you know, from, from the 1950 to 2003, you know, 50 years. He kept that story 50 years. Didn't, and he write it. He'd write about it. That thou shalt call his name. Leave a blank. Uh, see, to me, that's a lot of character. You know, who does that? Right. Who doesn't who doesn't market what the Lord Jesus? You know, I know a lot of people don't. But uh, but uh, uh, how many people do that, though? How many people do uh, sell the anointing, sell uh, the revelation that the Lord gives to him in a, in a, from a marketing standpoint, right? I mean, Brother Hagin's written a ton of books, obviously, um, but he didn't sell sensationalism, right? And so, uh, you know, and I've talked to the Lord, Lord, that's the kind of person I want to be. You tell me something and you tell me not to tell nobody, it, I'll go to the grave with it. That's the kind of person I want to become. It's not, well, I want to have a big ministry like Brother Hagin, travel worldwide, I want to have a jet, you know, uh, and I don't have any problem with any of that stuff. But before I get into stuff, I want to be the person who the Lord Jesus can appear to. And I don't sell all that stuff. Right. And then another time, years later, he, he was in ministry. And um, this was around the time when there was a lot of a lot of uh, uh, charlatans in the body of Christ. People raising their hands and feathers coming out. Right. And saying it was the spirit of God or people shaking their hand and gold dust coming, shaking their head and gold dust coming out of their hair, saying it's the power of God. Right. Uh, and um, to me, it's the easiest thing in the world to find out if that's God or not. Who's getting the glory? 
If, you, if they're getting the glory for their gold hair, or getting the glory for their chicken feathers, that ain't God. The Lord's not going to share his glory with anybody. Uh, and, and both of them were found to be uh, false, right? Just made up, just fake. I mean, it wasn't even... It wasn't even demonic. It was just, you know, it was Walmart, right? It wasn't, you know, Walmart chicken feathers. And, uh, and, uh, and yet they got on all the circuits, right? All the big wheels, all the television, you know, places, everything. Got them on, on TV and uh, bragging about them. And, oh, you got you, you to gotta come to my church. You got to come to my church, you know. And, and it's just sensationalism. And so one of the times Brother Hagin was in the service uh, and he said uh, in the middle of service, oil started appearing in his hands. And uh, and so, well, what do you do? Is there any book, chapter, and verse says, you know, uh, oil will come out of your hands? No, so there's no real. So what do you do with that? Well, you know, what Brother Hagin did with it is he did this right here. He put his hands in his pocket. Never told anybody. Didn't lay hands on anybody. Yeah, I got, I got supernatural oil right here, right? Come here and get. Now, if the Lord said to him do that, you know, maybe he'd do it. It'd be really hard for the Lord to tell him to do that, but, you know. If the Lord tells you you got to do it, right? Uh, you should do it anyway. Uh, uh, and so, uh, but the Lord didn't tell him to do anything with it. So to him, he just took it as a sign that the Holy Ghost was there. And if the Lord doesn't tell you to do anything with it, you know what a good thing to do? Put your hand in your pocket, right? Now see, who does that? See, a man of character does that, right? Who began a good work and you shall perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus. See, to me, that's a good work. All the, all, all the money and all the position and things. And, you know, to me, that, I mean, that's fine. When I think of the Lord doing a good work in me, I think of who he's making me to be, right? A person of character, a person who can stand in the midst of temptation, uh, of money and whatever, uh, position and accolades, and, you know, a person who can't be flattered into doing things. I mean, people just butter up ministers all the time and they just fall for it, right? Oh, you're the best minister ever was. In fact, uh, one of the one of the great failings, I believe, my, of my pastor was he was easily swayed by uh, uh, by um, what's the word I just used um, flattery. about flattery. Uh, and um, oh, pastor, you know more than everybody else knows. You've got so much revelation. You know more than 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 uh, this is the best church to ever was. And, you know, for a while he resisted that. But after a while, he started believing his own press. Uh, and, uh, you know, and part of it is because, you know, he he had such a he had such a poor self-esteem because uh, uh, in the area of academics. Right. Other areas, you know, he was a black belt in karate, you know, fearless in some ways. But in some ways, he was very fearful. Uh, and so when people started kind of bragging in the area that he was fearful in, it kind of it kind of uh, meant something to him. Uh, and, and I always use the example of Lord Jesus. Remember the one, one fellow came to Jesus and said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what did Jesus say? Why callest thou me good? For there is none good except God the Father. See, even Jesus, like, hey, don't be bragging on me. You know, don't, don't be bragging on me. Uh, because he knew it was false, right? He knew it was just there to butter him up, right? Uh, and I got no problem people saying, hey, there's a great, great service, you know, whatever. Uh, that's fine. But if it gets to a certain point, got to cut it off, right? Uh, and I've had people exceed uh, their uh, flattery, right? Exceed their, uh, their one or two statements of, of appreciation, right? Once you get past that, uh, 
then it gets cut off, right? Um, and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, I know we do pastor appreciation around here, you know, after about the first one or two things, you know, then I'm counting sheep or whatever, you know, I'm you know, looking at ceiling tiles because uh, it just, it's not that, it's not that you're not, it's not heartfelt, but uh, I've got to keep my heart right. And that's, to me, that's more important than anything else, right? Uh, you know, I appreciate people saying the things they do and that's fine, but, um, um, and you all do fine, but there, there's just one time in particular, I uh, just recall that, a person went, went beyond they should have said, you know, oh, pastor, you know, uh, you're going to lead us and guide us in all truth, you know. And, and they said those words. <laughs> I'm thinking, um, that is not my job. That's the job of the Holy Ghost, right? Uh, and, and, and so uh, don't equate me with the Holy Ghost, right? So, uh, but, but are you confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it uh, or will keep doing it until the day of Jesus Christ? Uh, and so, uh, see, I have confidence that I have confidence that that the Lord, you know, whoever I am today, the Lord is continuing to do a good work in me and make me a better person tomorrow. So I can be a better pastor. I can be a better husband, a better father, a better friend. You know, I want to be better at everything that I do. That to me, that that's a good work in me when the Lord makes makes me do those things. Right. Everything else. To me, you know, all the finances and, and all the natural things really are fruit of who the Lord, what good work he has done in me. That's not, to me, that's not a good work. That's a fruit of the good work in me, right? That if he does good work in me, then all that other stuff will come because that's what Jesus said. You seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these things shall be added unto you, right? So all these things should be the fruit of what the Lord's done for you in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and not that's not what we, what we pursue. What we pursue is the kingdom of heaven and all these things are added unto us, and, and we pursue this, this good work. So I have confidence that if you haven't seen me in 10 years, hopefully I'm better than I was 10 years ago, right? Uh, that's, my, that's my goal and desire, amen? Uh, and so, um, so then, he, then he goes on to say in, in verse 7, Even as, as it is meet uh, for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart, Inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of my grace. So, uh, so again, you know, Paul is continuing his statement here about how much he cares about them. He has them in, in his heart. Um, and uh, he said, both in my bonds and, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. Um, and so uh, the word confirmation uh, is the settlement of a dispute by an oath. Uh, and so uh, there, there was a settlement, uh, or when he said the confirmation of the gospel, uh, you know, part of Paul's job was to settle disputes of the gospel, right? In a sense that the purpose of him writing these letters was to lay down, here's what these things mean, right? Uh, here's the confirmation of what the good news is, because there was a lot of competition for a lot of weird doctrine back in the day, right? Back, back here until Paul started writing these letters, there was all kinds of gobbledygook myths and things, you know, about a lot of Jewish myths. And in fact, even today, you know, you can hear a lot of uh, weird Jewish myths, right? That uh, before we were babies, we were in heaven, you know, sometime. No, we, we were created, right? The Bible says in John 1, 9 that, that God lights every man that comes into the world. So we, we weren't in heaven in some baby factory first for a, a thousand years and then showed up here. The only one who ever did that was Jesus, right? He came down from heaven. We didn't come down from heaven. We were created in the moment that we were conceived in the earth. You know, the Bible says he's the father of spirit. So, so 
God birthed our spirit. Our parents birthed our, our physical bodies. Uh, and so, uh, so Paul, part of his writing uh, in these things, he said, from the very beginning of these things, uh, you have been with me uh, in my bonds. And he said, in the defense, that, that word defense there, uh, you ever heard of apologetics? Uh, apologetics is, is, it's not apologizing. It's, it really means the defense of the gospel, right? Uh, and uh, now if you look at Paul's defense of the gospel, it's just faith, right? It's just the faith in the Lord, the Lord Jesus. Uh, sometimes uh, people will take that word and become debaters, right? Paul is not a debater. You know, it's not about arguing and winning an argument. It's, it's, it's just about uh, showing that the gospel is so. And the, the best way to do that that Paul did was he would do signs and wonders and miracles, right? Uh, and so, uh, but at the end of that, he says, uh, that you are partakers of my grace. Uh, and this is a continuation from the previous verses where he talked about they were partners with him and uh, in fellowship with him. Uh, and there's something special about uh, being connected with a minister that it's more than just uh, more than just a natural relationship. It's a supernatural relationship. So Paul didn't say that uh, that uh, you are partakers of the grace of God, which of course they are, right? Because we know that by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It, it's the gift of God, right? So he's not talking about the grace of God to get born again. He's not talking about that kind of grace. He's just talking about the grace that's upon his life. So whatever grace Paul had in his life. So he said in, in um, uh, I think it's in 1 Corinthians fifteen ten. he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. So the grace of God that operated in Paul's life was there, of course, to be an apostle, right? To, to be a great apostle and, and write the, the, the letters to the churches, but also the grace of God to just live. So the grace of God to, to go through all of his trauma that he went through, right? We mentioned the, the list of bad things in there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So that grace to be able to do that and walk through those situations, walk through those circumstances. Paul said, because we're connected together, that, that you get the benefit of my grace in your life, that that grace can come into your life, right? Because you said that you are partakers of my grace. So it's more than just, uh, you know, it's not just a natural relationship, right? And, and that's something that you can't obtain in the world is partakers of each other's grace because it's a spiritual thing, right? It comes from heaven. Grace comes from the Lord, from the Lord God in heaven, not from our natural relationships. So, but because they were so close, uh, with, without really doing anything other than just being faithful, loyal uh, friends with Paul. You know, they didn't pray or believe God for it in particular, but because of their love for Paul, that grace that was, in Paul, uh, that was upon Paul's life was extended to their life. Uh, and, and that's a good thing, right? So whatever, Paul, whatever grace Paul had in his life, he said, you are partakers of my grace, the grace that I've got in my life. So not just general grace that everybody's got, but special, specific grace that he had in his life that was unique to him that nobody else had. He said, because we're connected together, you have that grace. And you can go back in the Old Testament and see some examples of that. I think one of the good examples is between Lot and Abraham, right? So Abraham, of course, Lot was Abraham's nephew, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and we know that the, that the Lord had prospered Abraham, right? And that he was rich in cattle and, and, and silver and gold, right? The Bible says that he was rich in those things. Uh, and then Lot gets mature, and then suddenly Lot starts prospering, right? And then what happened after that? 
where they got to be so big, what happened when they, when they got to be both Abraham and Lot got to be so prosperous, what happened next? Lot left Abraham, right? Because, well, you know, our, our shepherds are, are clashing with each other, so we're just going to part our ways, right? Now, where did Lot get the grace to be prosperous like that? Because grace was available in the Old Testament to some extent, right? The uh, Bible says that, that Noah found grace in the Lord's sight, right? Uh, and so, uh, so where did Lot get that grace? From being connected with Abraham, being partners with Abraham, right? Because it was more than just his nephew. You know, he was family, right? And he, and he was close to, to Abraham, learned from Abraham, got the grace that, that Abraham had upon his life to prosper. Uh, and then what did he do? He left. Now you fast forward, where did he go? You know, we know he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And now who, now who picked Sodom and Gomorrah? Did Abraham send him there? No, if you remember the story, Abraham said, well, okay, Lot, um, because I have faith, I don't care what, who, what you pick, I'm going to be fine, right? So you pick, you look in every direction, you pick whichever direction you think looks the best, and you go there. And he looked over here, he looked at the promised land, yeah, I don't want to go there, over here, no, I, I, he's... Sodom, you know, let's go to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And of course, Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't Sodom and Gomorrah until it became Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So it was, you know, but, uh, but, but Lot left him. And then who rescued Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah? Abraham did, right? With the angels uh, got him out of there, right? But um, uh, out, out of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, what did he leave Sodom and Gomorrah with? Nothing. He was so rich at one time that there wasn't enough space for him and Abraham. He left Abraham, left the grace that Abraham, uh, that he partook of, of Abraham's life, and went down to Sodom and lost everything. Left everything, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and so, you, you know, was Abraham worthy to be worshipped? No, nobody's worthy to be worshipped, right? Uh, nobody, nobody is your God. But because of our relationships, you know, there's a lot of grace. You know, I believe because I, but because I have been part of Brother Hagen's ministry, uh, you know, kind of indirectly, but, you know, uh, in many ways because I've been part of his ministry, because I'm part of Brother uh, uh, Dufresne's ministry, because I'm part of Brother Randy's ministry, that I have grace upon my life because I'm, I've been connected with all those ministries. Uh, and, uh, and now none of them left me, right? I mean, none, I didn't leave any of them. They all left me, right? Now, when I get to, when I get to heaven... Brother Hagen, you could have been here. You said you could live to 120. How come you didn't live to 120? And Dr. Dufresne, you said you're going to be here at least to 90. You left at 72. You know, what's up? You know, I may say that and run. Yeah, I don't know. But, uh, you know, <laughs> but I needed their grace. You know, I, I still need their grace, you know, to be here. I wish they were all here, right? My pastor, you know, he left when he was 53. Uh, and so, you know, they all left too early, right? They left earlier than they said they were going to leave. All of them left earlier than they said we're going to leave. Uh, and so, uh, so, that means that that grace ended there that I could partake of their grace. And I still, I think part of it's still in my life. It's not, but it's not gotten any bigger because there's no more grace there. They're gone. Uh, but uh, I believe because I've had these relationships that I have grace upon my life because of these things. And, and I believe it because that's what Paul said, right? That you're partakers of my grace, right? So, so this is not general grace. This is not grace that you can believe God for. This is grace that is there because of a relationship. Uh, and so uh, sometimes we 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 diminish or, or or we don't emphasize relationships in the body of Christ, especially with 
leadership, right? Uh, you know, we all, well, we're all, we're all Christians, you know, and, and Jesus is our Lord, and he is, absolutely, right? And sometimes we diminish our natural relations, but Paul is, is elevating the natural relationship he had with the Philippians here, and said, because of this, you, are been, you have been partakers uh, of, uh, you are all partakers of my grace. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of a big thing. Now, I don't know if Paul could say that about everybody. In fact, as far as I know, this is the only church he said those particular words uh, to. Uh, but um, uh, it should encourage us that there's value in forming relationships, especially with relationships of people in a ministry that are there. Uh, because part, part of it is, you know, the Lord calls people in a ministry for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons that he calls people in ministry for is to be an example, right? To, to blaze the trail, to find out the path of faith to find out the revelation, deliver it to the people in a church, uh, and then show them how to operate that in their life, right? That's part, I mean, that's kind of a normal part, you know, uh, Ephesians 4.11 uh, talks about the fivefold ministry, and it says, for the perfecting of the saints, right? So the only way we can be perfecting the saints is if we're doing some perfection in our own self as well, right? So uh, so there is value in, in having a relationship with, with uh, the ministry, I believe, uh, and my desire has always been to have fellowship with those that I've called to be part of. You know, I never really had any fellowship with Brother Hagen, but indirectly through my pastor I did. Uh, and, uh, and I still have fellowship with Brother Hagen on a regular basis because I still listen to his series, you know, his, his audio series. I was going to say his cassettes, but I don't listen to cassettes anymore. I don't listen to CDs anymore either. It's all digital now. It's all online. But, um, uh, and so, uh, so I'm still partaking of that grace in that regards, right? Uh, and, and I believe that's part of it. You know, uh, that's part of why I listen to Brother Hagin still is because I want to par- partake of the grace of God that was upon his life, right? Because the grace comes from the Lord, you know, but still, uh, even though he's gone, if I listen to it, I'm going to believe God that I get to partake of that grace. Amen. So, uh, so you know, those are some things. And, and again, we don't talk much about that, uh, even in this church, you know, even as a church as a whole, we don't talk much about this area, the value of relationships, the value of having relationships with those in the ministry. Um, but I think it's important. I think if, if the word of God covers it and it's talking about it, I think it's helpful for us to, to explain that. And is this the most important thing in the word of God? I don't believe it is because he doesn't say much about it, but it's in there, right? So it should be addressed and we should at least talk about it and that shouldn't be your only goal in life. You know, I only have I want to have this relationship with, with these ministers or whatever. Um, but um, but it's there and I think it's a value to us. Right. So wouldn't it be nice to be a partake of the grace that Paul walked in? Right. Remember, when he, he complained to the Lord about all the all the thorns in his side. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for thee. So Paul could put up with that. Wouldn't you like to be able to put up with the stuff Paul put up with? Right. I mean, none of us have to, you know, if you look at Paul's life, none of us got problems, right? And Paul's got all these problems, you know, people stoning him. And I've never been stoned, right? I've been said mean things to, but, you know, I've never been thrown into prison and, you know, chained to a Roman soldier. I've never done any of those things. Never been beat, you know, well, my mom would beat me, but, but uh, never been beat with a, with a Roman's whip there, right? Uh, you know, he almost 200 lashes, right? I've never done that, right? And, and after all that, Paul still called them light afflictions. So we ain't got no problems, right? We think we got problems. We ain't got no problems. Uh, and so, uh, so, um, so that, that's here, right? I mean, that's in the word of God. And I think it's valuable to us to, to be reminded of those things, right? Uh, that we are partakers and we can be partakers of the grace uh, of the relationships that we have. 
And that's why we do need each other, right? I believe there's grace that can extend between just friends, not just not just with ministers, but with his friends as well. Uh, and, and so I think that's why we need each other. Amen. And I need people. Uh, I can't do this on my own. Don't want to do it on my own. Have no desire to do my own. Uh, but uh, we need each other. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that we can be partakers of the grace uh, of the relationships we have. And specifically, Father, in the area of uh, ministerial relationships, uh, relationships with those in the ministry. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that, uh, that, that it's available to us. And so we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this evening's offering. And, um, uh, and again, I encourage everybody here. Pray for everybody that's not here, right? I believe God that they get fully recovered. Amen. Uh, we need to see them all back at church. And if you all been on Facebook, good, good to see you. Um, uh, look forward to seeing you again in person. Paul said, I long to see you that I might impart unto you some spiritual gift. Amen. Uh, and so um, we do long to see everybody again here shortly. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And um, of course, we're getting close to the end of the year, right? Uh, and um, just a few more weeks left in, in the, the year, and then it'll be 2022, right? Uh, I think uh, 2021 didn't seem to be quite as, as, ter- as much turmoil as 2020 did. Uh, maybe we just kind of settled into it, you know, and hopefully it'll, it'll get settled down next year. And um, uh, I mean, we'll see, right? You know, there's all kinds of things stirring up all the time, right? So we'll, we'll s- uh, what we do know is regardless of what happens, the Lord is still on the throne. Amen. Uh, and so be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful week. We'll see you all on Friday night for prayer.